Have you been feeling stuck, exhausted, and finding yourself living as a passenger in your own life? By giving away so much of your energy and power to everyone and everything around you. But you? Well, you are not alone. My name is Dr. Valérie Johnston Dugama, osteopath, and I have been there too. After being burned out, exhausted, I decided to take control of my life and get back into my driver's seat. It wasn't easy though, but I did it. And you can do it too. In this podcast, I will share stories, invite guest speakers, and provide insight and tips on how to turn your life around and move back into your driver's seat. My guest is Tanya Benjeli, a voice coach who works with everyone from opera singers, women in leadership, TED speakers, broadcasters, and everyone in between. She is a founding editor of Food, Culture, Politics Bag, and Counter Magazine. Tanya became a mother for the first time last year and since has been in coming to terms with balancing all these elements in her life. Our conversation today is about how to regain confidence by finding your voice. Thank you and welcome Tanya to the Driver's Seat Club. Hi Valerie, thank you for having me. So yeah, I'm really thrilled to be here and to talk about the really important experience that I had with my voice a few years ago and that has led me to where I am now. It all sort of started when I started working for the opera company and by that I mean Opera Australia, the opera company that's based in the Sydney Opera House. So I was working as a voice coach for the opera singers and I happened to find myself in that position quite young. And that meant that the people that I was working alongside as a coach, the conductors, the directors, the creative teams that put the operas together, but also the opera singers, were significantly older than me and had usually many years more experience than I did. So how young was I? I'm talking about sort of 24, 25 when I started. I was really young to be doing that sort of work. I just sort of found myself in the right place at the right time. And yeah, so in a way, I was thrown in the deep end to do that sort of work. So I'm a German language coach, which means that I correct the singers when they're singing repertoire in German, which is usually very difficult to do. And so there's a lot of corrections to be made a lot of the time, even though these are professional, wonderful singers. That just means that I was in the situation of needing to kind of give people professional criticism constantly as a young and relatively inexperienced person. So what that meant was every day at work, I felt incredibly intimidated by all of my colleagues. And I felt that people were looking at me as if I shouldn't really be there. I was too young. How could I have anything meaningful to add to the conversation because I hadn't been around very long? How are you feeling intimidated? I remember my very first ensemble call. An ensemble call is a day of rehearsals where the whole cast comes together for the first time and they sing through an opera from beginning to end. 
it's usually quite a formal occasion because people are sort of making their first impression on each other. People have often come from all over the world and they want to impress the conductor. And so it's a lot of formality and a fair degree of pressure. Everyone wants to sort of show that they know what they're doing pretty much. And yeah, the day of my first ensemble call, I was sitting next to the conductor and I was told that I was supposed to give notes in that rehearsal which meant that I was supposed to speak up in front of everyone anytime anyone did anything wrong. And it was terrifying. I really felt like I wanted the ground to open up and swallow me up because not only was I so afraid of giving that sort of feedback in front of everyone as such a young person and not knowing anyone and not being known by anyone, but also I had a music coach sitting next to me who was clearly trying to intimidate me and clearly trying to bully me to make me feel uncomfortable about being there. And he sort of called out to the conductor a few times to say that I had been making notes and that I should probably say something rather than sort of allowing me the time to speak up for myself. And the conductor actually sort of took him down a few notches for having done that, obviously having tried to humiliate me in front of everyone. Even thinking about it makes me feel so uncomfortable. That sort of continued. So I felt like people thought that I had nothing meaningful to contribute. And so Whenever I was in a room with people coaching, I would act as if that were true, people's projections onto me, and then I would respond in that way, which made me just very shy in speaking about anything that needed correcting or making my contribution. And in sort of being shy about correcting people, that gives people the opportunity to doubt what you're saying. And then I felt that and took that on and that made me even more awkward. And the whole thing was quite a painful experience. And while I loved working in the opera, I had found my role sort of excruciatingly painful very often. And then what happened next? So what happened next was I basically started to lose my voice. So when I say that, what I mean is I started to lose the, the middle part of my voice so that every time I spoke, I sounded really raspy. Like it just sort of sounded like I had a sore throat or as if I was coming down with a cold or something, or I just sort of had a raspy voice all the time. It was sort of a really strange thing because if you're a voice coach, ideally you would use your voice well, sort of speak clearly and resonantly. But because I was so afraid of speaking up, I speak really quietly and really low in my voice. And those two things are really unhealthy things to do with your voice and they tire your voice out very quickly which meant that my voice was always tired and my vocal cords were always inflamed, which just meant that I sounded raspy all the time, which was just a very sort of strange thing for a, a voice coach at the opera to have. And anyway, there was a certain moment in time when I was speaking really softly and speaking really low when I was having lunch with a friend from work. She was one of my only colleagues who was a woman and who was a woman roughly my age. She was probably about five years older. So she was fab. I loved spending time with her and we were having lunch over this little cafe table. I'm telling a story to her and I noticed that she's leaning forward over the cafe table to hear what I'm saying. And I looked up and I said, it's really strange, Kate, right, that you can't hear me over this table. And she looked at me and she said, yes, Bingles, it is a little bit strange. Because I developed this habit of speaking so low and so softly because I didn't really want anyone to hear me somehow that I couldn't project my voice even if I wanted to. And even just having lunch with a friend, I just was in such a habit of speaking so quietly that even just telling a story casually at such close range, I couldn't be heard. 
Do you feel like you lost a bit of confidence? Oh, my confidence was through the floor. I felt like I had no sense of what I was doing there. I think that women often can do this. We've become very sort of aware of how we are seen by others around us. And we're very sort of empathic to other people's experiences and experiences of us. And often I think, and in my case, I definitely did, I really responded to how I was being seen by others, or at least how I thought I was being seen by others. So I sort of played the role that I thought they saw me as anyway. And I really lost myself in that. I didn't know what I was doing there. I didn't sort of know what I had to contribute And so my identity in that place was really hard to define, which meant that I really didn't kind of have a secure place to speak out of, which I think is why I lost my voice in that way. How did you manage, because you had some clients to work on and to work with, so do you feel like they could uh, feel that insecurity that you had? Totally. Coachings were so awkward for everyone because they would come in and even the ones who are well-intentioned and opera singers, they're glorious creatures. Many of them do tend to have a sizable ego on them. And yeah, so some of them just, I found very intimidating. And some of them were attempting to be nice and could see that I was obviously uncomfortable. So yeah, for the singers, also for the person playing the piano, they tried to be accommodating of my discomfort and incredible shyness. But it meant that if I had 20 things that I wanted to say or add to the conversation, I was so awkward about it that I might have added one or two maybe. And they were always asking, do you have other input to make? And I would sort of say, oh, oh no, no, that's that's great. It's uh, sounding great. I uh, know nothing else to add. And then what happened, you know, after that uh, your friend Kate, she mentioned to you that she couldn't hear you and then you realized that. What was the next step for you to take to overcome that? It was such an important moment because I just felt so uncomfortable at work all the time and I felt it was totally ludicrous that I was speaking in such a ridiculously soft way that no one could ever hear me. But I knew all that subconsciously. I just wouldn't allow myself to actually acknowledge that. I didn't want to think that I was damaging my voice by doing what I was doing because I knew deep down that I, I could have been. And I have a background as a singer and so my voice has always been super important to me. And I was sort of terrified of what I was doing despite myself. So, yeah, that was a really important moment when I sort of just looked her in the eye and I felt comfortable enough with her to be able to sort of say that out loud. So I actually organised to do what I knew I'd known for a long time that I needed to do, which was to go and see a specialist. So opera singers go and see ENTs, which are ear, nose and throat surgeons, kind of quite regularly if there's something amiss with their vocal cords, they go and see someone like that because these specialists have cameras that they put down the throat to be able to sort of see exactly what's going on. So I was very familiar with all that kind of treatment and technology. So as soon as I acknowledged it, then I could actually do something about it. So that's what I did. And I went there and I explained the situation and I basically self-diagnosed to this guy what I was doing. And I felt sort of really embarrassed about having to be there. And he said, okay, well, we'll have a look. And sure enough, there was all the information that I expected to be there, but luckily there was none of the scarring. So there was nothing permanent that I had done, which was a massive relief. I was really afraid of perhaps what I had done being irreversible. And when he said, so I need to send you to a speech therapist, I said, oh, no, it's okay. I think I can deal with this myself. 
So then you left his place and then you started to work on your voice yourself. Mm. So basically I started to vocal coach myself, which is a really strange thing to do, but it was incredibly empowering because I had acknowledged there was a problem, a really sort of embarrassing, awkward problem. And by acknowledging it, that was sort of the hardest part, I think, in a way. So by doing that, it sort of gave me the freedom and gave me the permission to do something about it. And in fact, just to use my own instincts as a voice coach to practice what I preach, I guess, to others. I think it's also important to say that at that same time, when I was experiencing all of this intimidation in the workplace, I was also in a really kind of difficult, unhappy place in my personal life. I was in a marriage that was really not going very well. And I was really unwilling to admit that to anyone. So I feel like that there is something very kind of important about the connection between your own voice and your own personal truth. And I think when you're not willing to own your truth, then very often the voice becomes affected by that. To be honest, like because I wasn't willing to sort of speak the truth about my life, I wasn't given the right to speak. Like my voice was sort of taken away from me in a funny sort of a way. Would you say that uh, the fact as well that you were in that environment where you felt like you were not supported at work, do you feel like that reinforced even more that feeling of uh, not being confident and comfortable mm. with yourself? Yeah, I know that's a really good point. I think absolutely. I felt just so uncomfortable in all the different areas of my life. But the amazing thing about doing the coaching, sort of applying all of these decisive steps to claiming my voice back, It meant that in so doing, I started to, like my confidence started to come back and I started to assert myself and my knowledge and my developing expertise and also my sense of identity. I sort of became a person in the room, whereas before I just had been kind of barely a shadow. And how long did it take you to start to get back your confidence and move, get into the driver's seat? I think that it started quite quickly I think I remember noticing a difference sort of in the first fortnight or so. I'd say six months later, I was kind of completely transformed in the workplace. And then that began the process of my taking action in my personal life. Sort of opened my eyes to actually see what I was living and to see how I might change things. How did you change things? Well, eventually I left that marriage. We'd been together for 14 years, married for 10. So yeah, that was a huge upheaval. I think it's also really important to say that I was married in a very religious context. And that was another thing I found my workplace was very much at odds with that religious context. And while I was working at the opera and still attending church in some capacity, I did feel like I was living some sort of double life. Like I would go to church on Sunday and that would represent a certain way of living with certain priorities and certain restrictions. And then I would come to the opera sort of Monday to Friday. And the world of the art and theatre is necessarily a very open, liberal, free place and a very embracing place as well. And I think the things that I had been holding as a religious person from my childhood that had never really sat well with me All of that started to loosen up at the same time. So as I became a more spontaneous and free speaker, all of those ideas 
were less comfortable to sit with and to hide, I guess, in some way. And so I moved further and further away from the beliefs that kind of didn't really make sense to me, had stopped serving me, someone might say. And I sort of just lived more and more a life that felt right. And so eventually I left the marriage and I've since remarried. I was married to a man and I've since remarried a woman. It's been quite a journey. We have a child together now who will be one this coming week. So a lot has changed since that time. Um, And I had this problem with my voice for about two years. There was about two years when I couldn't speak clearly. Since getting my voice back, I really have been able to get my life back. And it sounds like it was a quick turnaround, although you lost your voice and your confidence for about two years. But when you started to work on yourself, after six months, you were back on track and in that driver's seat. Yeah, I would say so. And the thing is, I feel like you have different elements of your life where you might be in the driver's seat sort of more than in others. So I took control of this thing. I took control of the way that I sounded. And the way that we sound is basically the presence that we have in the room. Like I basically started to show up in the room, like I said before. And once I had done that, then it gave me a sense of agency to enroll in a master's, for example, which is what I did sort of straight after that in an area that was totally not my area. I, I sort of enrolled in a master's of design and convinced them to take me with the background that I had, which was not a design or fine art background. And because it was just something that I really wanted to do. And I think that's the thing. Once I started to be able to speak for myself strangely, I started to be able to actually understand the little voices inside saying that this is what I want to do and this is what I don't want to do. Like, and I stand for this and I don't stand for this. I sort of became much more coherent around what it is that I think and what it is that I want. It's such a great story. What did you take away from all that experience that you could share with us if you have to summarize for people, for example, who feel that they're a bit insecure or they can't speak up or they're a bit shy to express themselves? What would you say to these people? But for you, most importantly, what was your takeaway that helped you to move back and in control of your life? I really think that the most important thing that I would say, the thing that came to me straight away when you asked that question was that the voice is so important. So I've sort of become a voice practitioner beyond four walls of opera, so to speak, and I work with non-singers a lot. And I see time and time again, but from my own experience, really, I think if there's something which is stopping you from sharing what you have to say, whether it's in a meeting or if it's on the phone with your parents or with your loved one or friends, whatever, if you feel like you're blocked from being able to share your perspective, your opinion, make a contribution, if you're feeling blocked in some way, that's really, really telling. There's something going on. And maybe there's, as there was in my case, a whole lot of things. I was totally intimidated in the workplace, felt like I was too young, also felt like I was not able to be taken seriously as a young woman, which is something I didn't talk about, but that was really very prevalent in the workplace. I felt like there was a lot of misogyny is a a very strong word and people are using it a lot at the moment, but I did feel significant atmosphere of that in the place where I was working. So I felt that way at work and I felt very unhappy in my marriage, but I felt also trapped in the marriage because of my religious beliefs. I felt like I couldn't leave it. And the religious stuff also stopped me from sort of thinking freely about a lot of things. And 
yeah, there were just a lot of areas of my life, different family things that just were not resolved. And so I was blocked from thinking fully about them and speaking about them. So speaking my truth. If you feel blocked from speaking your truth, there is a problem. And it is so fundamental to our being, how we feel like we can express ourselves because everything is inside until it's outside. Everything is inside until it's spoken. That is how we connect to people, inner workings and thoughts and impulses and feelings. Sometimes speaking about things is not that straightforward, but if we can't get things out, then there is definitely something to look at. And once we have looked at whatever it is, or once we have found a way to find our voice back, that is an incredibly empowering agency field thing. I feel like once you have a sense of how to take your voice back, you feel really free. You're free to be who you are, which means to say whatever you kind of need to say or, or share your ideas or basically get back into the driver's seat. It's exactly that. That's so, so great. And you were saying that because you were already a voice coach and so you knew what to do and it took yeah. you six months, but you knew what to do. So for someone who doesn't have this knowledge and really want to have their voice back, even if it's about getting back your confidence or your self-esteem or feeling like you can express yourself clearly, what could you say with some of the exercises that you do to help you? Yes, good question. Yeah, so I help people around doing this sort of thing all the time. and. Basically, I would say two things are really important. One thing is a really sort of practical exercise-based thing and the other is sort of a conceptual thing. So the conceptual thing, which is the most important thing, is that you always have a reason to say what you want to say and you will always be able to find the words to say it. People will always give you the time to say it. I think we sort of question ourselves so often, you know, we'll be sitting in a meeting, it's often the example I give because we'll be sitting there in the presence of several other people and everyone wants to make a contribution. I think particularly as women, we question whether our contribution is worthwhile giving in any particular moment. But we know deep inside if we have something meaningful and important to say. And I think listening to the concept that you always have a reason to say what you want to say means that you can trust your instinct. You can trust yourself if you want to go ahead and say something. You can trust yourself if you think that something needs to be said in a relationship with someone, in a friendship, with children or whatever. Like if you have an impulse to say something, there's a reason for it. And if you make space for what you want to say, because you're the only person who can do that. You can't ask permission to speak from those around you. People won't give you the permission to speak. It's not really how it works and it shouldn't be what you wait for. If you just realize, if I have something to say, I have a reason to say it, so I should say it. That is sort of the first step to unblocking oneself. So that's what I did. So when I was in a coaching, so like I said before, if I thought I had 20 things to say, I would say one or two things and I'm not exaggerating. And okay. so one of the first ways that I challenged myself was I said, okay, every time I want to say something, I'm going to say it. Even if it means that I have like 20 corrections to make on one page of music, which is a lot, I'm going to do it. And I just made that commitment to myself and I knew that it would sort of surprise people and potentially be uncomfortable for me to do it, but I knew that I could do it and I knew that it was enough just to know that I had observed those things, I had reasons to say it, that was just enough for me to take those people's time to say those things. Then the practical thing would be if you feel like you're struggling to make yourself heard or say really what you think, just practice speaking in such a way that you can hear yourself 
finish every word that you start. So what I mean by that is most words in English finish with a consonant, right? And so they're sort of clear sounds that if we make sure that we hear ourselves say them, then we make sure that we are making space for what we want to say and we're saying it really clearly. And it is a way of just becoming conscious of how you speak. We don't really often think about how we speak. And if we want to make any sort of changes, we don't necessarily know where to begin to even think about how we speak. And this particular thing can lead to a whole raft of changes that your body will sort of make as it sort of accommodates to your slowing down your pace to make yourself hurt. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much for these tips because I think people, if they're at home or they're at work or they feel like they're finding it difficult to express themselves for whatever reason, mm -hmm. at least if they listen and they can practice these tips uh, that you give, it would be really good. And uh, yes, thank you so much. So would you say that you are in the driver's seat now and since you've been uh, having this experience, how many years ago that was? I was in my late 20s when I finally got on top of this stuff. I would say sort of 27, 28. And yeah, I would say now I am pretty well in the driver's seat of the vast majority of things in my life. That's fantastic. Wow. Thank you so much, Tanya, for sharing your story. It was so beautiful. And I'm sure so many people can um, connect with what you're saying, especially the lack of confidence and then how you can easily lose your voice. So thank you again. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Driver's Seat Club. Until next time, have a powerful day.